Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, joined in the studio as always by my producer, Andy Robb, and our director of audio services, Ken Prell. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey, Hey. Regina. Hey, one of my favorite times of year coming up. Yeah, it's uh, springtime, so that means time to get outdoors. Right. Warm season, and the the best thing about this time of year is heading to outdoor events. So fairs, festivals, concerts, like sports stuff. (laughs) Sports stuff. Sports stuff. Like baseball games? (laughs) Right, like all the sports stuff that you guys like to go to. Sure. But I have a question for you. When you go to these events, do you guys stop to think about whether or not someone is watching things for weather safety? I I probably don't. You, you think not? What about <laughs> you, Andy? Really good question. It took you asking it to realize, no, I don't really think about that. I know. I think what happens is a lot of people go to these events and they assume, you just kind of assume that once you get there, somebody else is watching, maybe the radar, somebody else has a plan in mind if something should happen. And that's not always the case. So I, I want to give you a, an example. This was a Sugarland concert, some sound, a sound bite here from... 2011 at the Indiana State Fair in Indianapolis. At this event, seven people were killed and at least 100 had been injured when a 60-mile-per-hour wind gust toppled the stage. Now, investigations after this, I know it's terrible. They concluded that the rigging that failed didn't, first off, meet industry safety standards, but also found that the fair officials did not have a fully developed emergency plan. So they, they... There was nobody really that knew what they were going to do if bad weather should arise. And that can happen a lot in the summer. That's scary. Right. Very very scary. scary. Very scary. So today we're going to be talking to Charlie Chico and Wayne Granger. They're from the Colorado-based company Marquee Event Solutions. And they have partnered at different times with AccuWeather Enterprise Solutions here. We're talking to John Porter from In-House on how to keep people safe, have a plan of action, because, you know, lots of summer events. Want to make sure everybody's safe. Last 4th of July, they had an event where we stepped in and were able to help them out. Right. It could have proved to cause injuries if there wasn't somebody watching. So stay with us. Well, for today's podcast, I'm joined in the studio by John Porter. He's the vice president of AccuWeather Enterprise Solutions, and from here on out, we'll be calling it AES for short. And on the phone, I'm also joined by Charlie Chico of Marquee Event Solutions. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having us. Before we get started, because we're going to be talking about your partnership and keeping people safe at some large outdoor venues and how crazy the weather can be for you guys, particularly since you're working on the front range, which is absolutely insane weather-wise, I just wanted to mention there was a perfect example of this that you guys just recently went through in mid-March before we start talking about the summer storm that you dealt with, but Wow, you had that bomb cyclone blizzard there. How are you guys how were you guys faring that? Was it pretty bad? I mean it was fun. It was my first one. I've been here in Denver about twelve, thirteen years and that was my first one to 
experience. Um, on my end with my family, we were all safe and happy and school was canceled. Works were canceled. So we just hunkered down in our home. We didn't go anywhere. We heeded all the warnings that were on, you know, all the news stations and stayed home. But it was it was fun. My kids really loved looking out the window. Yeah, it's good to look out the window. There was there was there was plenty to see out the window with that particular storm. And, you know, when you think about the intensity of that storm, that's the kind of intense storm we usually have developing on the East Coast. And so to have that uh, right up through the uh, Plains states with such a variety of weather hazards from the blizzard conditions and the heavy snow and gusty winds to the strong and severe thunderstorms that brought wind gusts over 80 miles per hour in the Dallas area right. on, uh, uh, during the early morning hours uh, on that uh, one morning. It was a complex and dangerous storm that affected a significant part of the country with an intensity that is rare to see. You're right about that, John. You know, and, you know, we were talking because I was uh, covering that on the network, but it's a perfect example of on the front range. Um, that that is one of those areas that is the most difficult to forecast in the country. I mean, you know, everybody says that their area is like one of the worst (laughs) to forecast for, but it really is. The front range is its own beast. And so um, we'll be talking about how you prepare for some of these outdoor venues, um, you know, because it can change at the, the drop of a hat. But, Charlie, first, before we get into that, can you talk to me a little bit about your career? Yeah, you bet. And thanks for asking. Um, I was actually born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. So watching thunderstorms come through there. We moved to Colorado in 05, where I was the managing director of Dick's Sporting Goods Park, the 22,000 seat soccer stadium in Commerce City, Colorado, just outside of Denver, Colorado, uh, working for Cronky Sports and Entertainment, who owned that venue. My job at that venue was to oversee all day-to-day and event operations. The facility, like I mentioned, was a 22,000-seat stadium. It also was comprised of 24 additional soccer fields on the outside of the stadium, hence creating kind of two venues, if you will, inside the stadium and outside the stadium. Inside that venue, we hosted probably anywhere between 15 and 20 large-scale events, everything from concerts to international soccer games to Major League Soccer games that were in there. The outside fields hosted events and games basically every single night of the week, Uh, everything from large-scale tournaments World Cup lacrosse games to challenges out there with softball games and just other dodgeball and just general use. So at any given moment on the outside fields while in use, we had anywhere between 20 and 40,000 people inside the venue. We could have an additional 10 to 20,000 pending ticket sales for that day. Wow. So again, my background was overseeing all those operations and event operations. I mean, you're you've got a lot of lives in your hands, really, when you're at these events. And the weather can change really, really suddenly there on the front range. Can you talk to me how how suddenly you've seen that happen at events? When I first arrived there in 2005, it was hard to understand what folks were saying, meaning, hey, the weather changes so quickly. When I was getting dialed in at the stadium, I really learned that we didn't have a process set up for these storms that were coming in. And basically with the storms here in Colorado, you don't see them coming for miles and miles and miles and miles. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know how it all works, but I do know that storms grow 
right on top of us here in the Denver metro area. We've probably been into weather delays, weather cancellations over a hundred times. And most of those times we were very successful with predictions and radars and being able to do what we needed to do. However, there have been three or four storms that grew right on top of us, that we had hail falling on us prior to any rain or lightning or anything like that. So the storms do grow right on top of us. The other thing that the storms do here is they go very, very fast. They tend to be done at about 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then it's a great night. It's a perfect evening after that. So not being an expert on meteorology, the storms do grow very fast, very quickly, and quite frankly, out of nowhere. Right. So kind of fun to watch them. I, I'm, I'm sure it's fun to watch them as long as you don't have to be out there in them <laughs> when it's happening or when it's coming down. So suddenly um, where it changes that rapidly. And so you have this partnership now with John Porter and, and AES where because, you know, for me, I know if I'm the average person at an event, even as a meteorologist, a lot of times I'm like, well, they got this, you know, and I don't know. You kind of put your life in other people's hands. Your trust, right? Your trust. You're yeah. really putting your trust in other people's hands to let you know when it's time to get out. And I know that you had an outdoor Fourth of July event that really could have resulted in injuries or fatalities if it weren't for, you know, expertise and planning. Can you tell me about that particular event that day, how it kind of transpired and what you ended up doing ultimately. Yeah, you bet. And to take a step back, we work with one of the local municipalities here in Denver. They put on an annual 4th of July show that averages 40 to 60,000 people coming through with a big fireworks show, obviously, around nine or 10 at night once it starts to get dark. And I approached them with the idea of, hey, let's be more prepared for weather. Because traditionally, most events not quite as ready as one would think everybody is as ready as everybody wants to be. Mm -hmm. That a lot of events honestly just kind of roll with it and weather comes in, they just kind of react to it versus being proactive. Mm -hmm. So I met with the city six, eight months in advance, really working with them and dialing in an actionable weather preparedness plan for weather events that we felt would potentially happen during the 4th of July high winds, lightning, and rain. Those are kind of our three big ones that we always focus on with outdoor events. I know that there's tornadoes, flash floods. I get all that. We try to focus on our three most practical events that we think, weather events that we think will happen or could happen. What happens the most often for you guys? The most often is lightning, cloud to ground lightning, and high winds. To paint the picture with the 4th of July, it is three or four months working with the city and municipality on roles and goals, execution of a weather preparedness plan that is predetermined. So this way decisions are already made on what our action plan collectively is going to be when the weather event arrives versus taking a guess and going, now what do we do? So with the city and with the 4th of July, we were, I don't know, 40, 50,000 people strong. And there were some clouds off in the distance, and John, you could probably describe it better, but looked harmless. They looked innocuous. They looked like they were drifting away. The radars showed them sort of kind of drifting away from us, and everything seemed to be in the clear. However, working with you guys and AES, we made phone calls into the weather preparedness and into you guys and 
basically some outflows and some strong winds were going to hit the site and we were able to react accordingly. Um, so that was a little bit of kind of a broad picture, but I would like to bring in my business partner, Wayne Granger, who's sitting here with me. And Wayne was in the actual command center working with the city, with the municipality, and with you guys connecting all the dots and executing the weather preparedness plans that we had already predetermined with the city months in advance. Hi, Regina. How are you? Good. How are you? So you were the one sitting in the hot seat making decisions that day. I was. Fortunately, it didn't feel too hot to me because we were so well prepared. That's great. That's um, a good way to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, my background's actually, I was in law enforcement for 18 years. So um, working alongside Charlie at Dick's Ford Against Park, I was with that uh, Commerce City Agency. Um, and I managed all of our uh, police operations for the venue as well as any other large-scale city events, parades, festivals, those kinds of things. So um, over 10 years of experience in working with large-scale events, as well as I have a, a lengthy background in SWAT. And so as a SWAT commander, just dealing with emergencies was what I do. And I understand the importance of preparedness um, so that in the case that you do have an emergency, you know, having a plan already laid out, um, it's much easier to adapt off of that plan than come up with one in the spur of the moment. Right. And that particular uh, day, you know, in our intro for this podcast, we were talking about, like, for example, in Indianapolis, when they had uh, that Sugarland concert where the the whole stage just kind of collapsed, collapsed and people yeah. were killed, mm -hmm. you know, because that's how it can go wrong when there's not a plan. And so can you talk to me? like a little bit about the plan, what you guys knew was going to happen and, and then how you ended up kind of doing whatever you had to do to get people out. Like Charlie had said, we'd been having meetings with uh, city of Thornton for some time leading up to it so that all the key stakeholders knew their roles for different weather events. So if it was an issue of high winds, then everybody in there knew what their roles were. Law enforcement knew what their role would be. Um, Parks and Rec, as related to the, they have a mobile stage there and all the challenges that come with a mobile stage. They know what their roles are. They're communicating with the production company. Um, we're communicating with guest relations and anyone else that we need to make sure that we can get the message out there. And on this day, we already had a pre-planned response to what we're going to do based on, like Charlie said, the most likely weather incidents that would come through. It was a beautiful day in the high 80s, typical, like you're saying, with front range. From the standpoint of the guests and the visitors, if they were to look up, it looks like any typical summer day in Colorado. It's hot, blue skies, maybe a, a warm breeze coming in, but there was nothing that was clearly threatening that you could see on the horizon. I was in the command center, which command centers got everybody from the decision makers from the city of Thornton with their emergency management, fire department, police, public works, everyone that's needed to make a decision is all in that room and I'm there with them. And as we're monitoring uh, the weather through, our, through SkyGuard, we got a couple warnings early in the day related to some lightning that was uh, getting close. But what was real key was as we were hitting really the key time of the night, which is when everybody's in there getting their locations for the fireworks and we were just packed. Then we got the SkyGuard warning that there was going to be um, some high winds coming to the venue within the next 20 to 25 minutes. Again, if you looked up and you looked outside, you saw blue skies. Right. And if you looked on a radar, if you just grabbed any generic weather app and looked on the radar, 
everything was to our west, going right over the front range and right along the hog back of the mountains. And we're probably 15 to 20 miles east of there. When we got the sky guard warning and I talked with the meteorologist that day, she told us that while the storm itself looked like it was going to miss us, it was going to be pushing out winds in advance of the storm, this outflow, and that was going to hit us. She was very precise. She was very knowledgeable and very proactive. At that time, once I received that information, we look at our plan and that plan based on high winds was what we started to enact. I then notified the command that we needed to go to what was called weather yellow. That means we assemble the emergency response team. So all of those key stakeholders have to be in the command center so we can make a decision. Everybody was brought in. We called SkyGuard, spoke with our meteorologist on the phone. So all of the key players in that command center were able to ask questions that they needed to be able to make a decision. And what I like about that is the fact that it had to be so it's not you sitting there saying, okay, I'm relaying the information. Here's what I'm hearing. It's like, okay, so now everybody in the same room is getting the same information at the same time. Exactly. This, is, this isn't a time to play the telephone game and have delays affect the, the safety of the guests. This is a time when you need decision makers in one room. They're all receiving the exact same information at the exact same time so they can make a decision. And and that really is a critical example that uh, Charlie and Wayne are going through here of how things ought to work whenever weather is a factor at any kind of a uh, large outdoor event or any outdoor event really at all. Uh, when safety is on the line and as Wayne and Charlie are talking about, decisions have to be made in seconds that can affect the safety and well-being of tens of thousands of people um, at the same time. And so in this particular case, this is a great example of having a plan in advance so that you know what you're going to do. You're not coming up with that in the moment, knowing when to activate that plan based upon the site-specific weather warnings directly from AccuWeather, and then having all the key decision makers in the same place at the same time so those decisions can be quickly made. And Wayne, I really liked how you said the hot seat wasn't that hot because you knew you had the expertise of our meteorologists backing you up and looking at all of the real-time data in order to be able to help make those decisions. And in that particular situation, that's a great example as well as to how uh, venues can get caught off guard if they're not uh, tuned in and using the very best weather information. Because in this case, we were talking about thunderstorms miles away. And um, as Charlie and Wayne mentioned, There wasn't really much rain at the actual event, but there's these surges of wind, downbursts of wind that come out from these uh, strong thunderstorms, especially in the plains, that can cause winds to go from calm to all of a sudden gusting to 80 miles per hour Mm -hmm. in just a matter of a minute or two. And uh, our meteorologists, when we're watching these types of events, we're watching specifically at the venue and the concerns around the venue, not a particular part of a county or a city but right at that venue, and we're looking at the real-time weather data, and we're kind of taking, I like to say, an MRI of the storm. Mm -hmm. So just as a doctor would look at at somebody's MRI to help diagnose what's going on with their health, same thing with us looking at the atmosphere. We're looking at all the details, and in different views of radar information and other data that help us to see where those gust fronts, those bursts of wind are heading. And so many times we've been able to work with our partners like Charlie and Wayne in similar circumstances, avoiding 
injuries and fatalities by making sure that uh, the facilities are taking action based upon things that can't even be seen uh, by radar. So this is a great example of having a plan and then having the very best insights to activate that plan. There's not many decisions when you think about it that have to be made that quickly in, in today's world. Right. So for that particular day, Wayne, when you guys, because you had levels, I like, I mean, you already had it down to levels. So you were level three wind, I think is what you said for your action plan. So what happened then? So in that case with the high winds, it was, it was not an evacuation issue like we would have if it had been hail or, or some more lightning. Okay. As you can imagine, when you have a, you know, a large community festival, there's lots of pop-up canopies and tents and just, you know, blankets and items that are out there. And the number one thing is trying to get those secured so they don't become flying debris and oh, injure right. somebody. As soon as we initiated Weather Yellow, then announcements were made from the stage. So they have a, a very large stage and PA system that we are expecting high winds within 20 minutes. Please take down your canopies, your tents, secure anything you have that can fly or become a flying debris and injure somebody. And that when the winds do come through, make sure that you are, you know, watching for those things and being safe, not only for you, but for those around you. You could instantly see people taking uh, the advice. Pop-up canopies started dropping to the ground. Um, People were being very respectful about it. When the winds did come through, I don't have the exact numbers. I'm guessing we were gusting in the, the high 40s to low 50s. And just as those were coming through, they were on the stage again saying, this is what we told you was coming. Hold everything down, you know, take cover, be safe. And everything blew through. And, you know, clearly there was maybe some some areas that someone was unattended and maybe some picnic blankets got lost. I do know that one portalette got tipped over from the wind. Um, (laughs) But... uh, that was the worst. That was the worst of all yeah, of it. Yeah, that's that's um, pretty good if that's the worst. And you that's got. fixable. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So tell me um, a little bit about. Uh, I'm talking to John here for a second because we were talking about downburst because I mean those can create the straight line damage. Mm-hmm. You know, trees come down with those downbursts with those kind of thunderstorms. Absolutely. And like a bolt out of the blue. Like talk about some of the weird phenomenon that's not going to necessarily be picked up. Yeah, those are some of the. Um, those are two great examples there. Um, of some of the types of things that we're looking for, but also watching for tornadoes mm-hmm. uh, that may quickly develop and spin up using all the tools that we have. Uh, lightning, you mentioned, is a, is a major threat for, um, for event venues. And there, again, uh, the key thing that we're working on, we've worked with uh, event venues for decades and have a lot of experience in working with uh, partners like Charlie and Wayne in order to be able to keep the show going or the event going as long as possible and only interrupt it if there actually is a credible safety risk at the location. Um, And then, of course, work together to get the show back on as quickly as possible once the risk has has ceased and is no longer a concern at that particular location. So lightning is is a big risk for venues, and we have unique capability to be proactive in terms of the warnings that are required. So we'll provide 20 minutes of advance notice before lightning gets into a unsafe area around the venue. And that's really critical because each venue has different concerns as it relates to how they're going to evacuate or shelter the guests. And so those are all considerations. Time is required in order to be able to activate those plans. You can't just be in a situation where all of a sudden things are happening 
then you're reacting instead of being proactive, which is always a recipe for challenges. And that's where things can go bad very quickly. Um, one of the other things that we work with many of the venues on, um, sometimes people are surprised to hear about it, but is around dangerous heat and humidity. In those situations, if you have a scenario where it's unusually hot and unusually humid at an outdoor venue, there can be uh, quite a bit of an increase in terms of heat-related illness. Um, mm -hmm. So heat stress and heat stroke, that becomes a big significant factor. So many uh, venues that we work with will alert them to those types of conditions, and they'll actually work with their emergency medical service partners and have more um, EMTs and paramedics available and try to be more proactive with how, for example, water and ice is being provided so that we can limit the number of heat-related illnesses. So it really spans the range of different types of weather hazards. It depends a little bit upon the location, time of the year, and the weather pattern that's going on. And we're aware of all those things, and so we can work with, um, with our venue partners in order to make sure that uh, everybody has a great time mm -hmm. at the show. And as you mentioned, Regina, it's not something that individual people at the show have to worry about because professionals are monitoring the weather that's occurring at that location and working with emergency management professionals in terms of de dealing with what will the response be at the venue to keep everybody safe. Right. Now, you know, I'm curious about something, Charlie. So when did this become a whole thing where you developed and you, you guys worked together to kind of create this? Like, was it early in your years of doing this? Or is it that you just kind of kept seeing a need and then you're like, like, how did that all come together to get this whole plan of action where you're going out ahead of time, meeting with the local authorities and all that? For me personally, it started at the stadium knowing I could have pick a number, 50, 60,000 people out there and no management because we didn't have an event in the stadium. So now I'm relying on a 24-hour person to make the call or push the button or clear the field. So my goal was to make that seamless. And I knew, I knew we had to do something out there. And we started to really develop um, the AES, quite frankly, the AES system on how venues needed to be warned. And it's also, um, it's also a very frequent concern for um, all kinds of uh, different types of, uh, of, of venues um, in terms of uh, dealing with weather emergencies uh, across all these different dimensions that we're, uh, that we're talking about here with lightning and high winds and, and, uh, and, and flash flooding and all these other kinds of concerns, that uh, this happens routinely. It keeps venue managers up at night. It's the kind of thing that people are really concerned about, understandably, because they're making decisions that affect the safety of, of a lot of people here in terms of uh, being able to enjoy the, uh, the particular venue and the, and the show and to be able to do that safely. So we're seeing a lot of uh, increased focus around that. And of course, it's also around the liability. That, uh, I was going to say, cause have, got, yeah, because you're going to have, you know, that's another concern. Uh, unfortunately, with injury or loss of life, I mean, that is the ultimate loss. But then there is the financial loss that some of these locations are going to experience just from lawsuits of people not happy with their experience. Or even if they were placed, they were OK, but placed in a situation of danger and they didn't think the facility handled it correctly. You know, there's there's any number of right venues. There. Venues have a duty of care mm -hmm. in order to make sure that they're taking good care of their guests and everybody who's involved in the event. So again, this is all just reinforces the critical need to have a plan, know the weather risks, have a plan, and then be ready to activate that plan um, with the right insights if you need to. Of course, the best case scenario is it's going to remain a, a sunny day and a, and a beautiful evening. But um, if things go wrong, having a uh, go in terms of the direction of a, of a, uh, of a weather interruption 
It's having that plan and being able to take action on it. And as Charlie mentioned, I think it's a really, really important thing. And we see this with a lot of our customers. It's communicating about what's going on. So Charlie was mentioning about PA announcements, and, and we see many venues now using social media in order to engage uh, their guests, letting them know what's going on, that the venue is being proactive in terms of dealing with that uh, weather issue, and then here's how long they expect the show to, to stop. And uh, a lot of times the entertainers are also involved in that as well because they'll stop the performance um, and let the uh, guests know that there's a weather issue, we're uh, well aware of it, and we're dealing with it. We had a situation a couple of years ago with uh, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam was uh, was on stage in Chicago. And in a similar situation to the one we're talking about here with Charlie and Wayne, uh, we had a uh, concern about lightning approaching the stadium. It was actually Wrigley Field. Um, and uh, we were working with the, uh, with the on-site safety folks at that particular stadium. And uh, we let them know that we were expecting lightning in about 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. That gave them time to be able to safely shut down the event and move everybody to safety. And Eddie Vedder actually had announced that uh, they were on the phone with AccuWeather and expecting, although it was not a problem right at that moment, they were expecting a thunderstorm to wrap. They had Eddie arrive. announce it. Eddie announced it, and uh, they were, we were able to work with the with the venue and get that show everybody safely inside. And then Eddie and and the rest of uh, the band were back playing just as soon as they could safely do right. so. So again, it's a the entertainers are also involved in that too because we want people to feel the urgency of taking action. Right. Well, I really appreciate having the chance to talk to all of you. It's been very interesting, informative, and I thank you for being with us. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks thank for you. having us on an important topic. Our thanks go out to Charlie Chico and Wayne Granger of Marquee Event Solutions and, of course, our very own John Porter. Now, Andy, I know next week's episode people are going to want to tune in for, and you have been extremely excited about this one because it is the sinking of the Titanic. That's right, and uh, weather actually played a pretty significant factor in the sinking of Titanic. So we've got a very, very special guest lined up for next week's show. We're going to be talking to basically the world's most foremost expert on the Titanic, author and historian Tim Malton. And if you got time, a little weekend homework. There's a Nat Geo documentary called Titanic Case Closed, where he starts to tell his story. So we'll have more about that next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.